So we have today a, a group of uh, people from a new documentary on uh, Eddie Zhang uh, called Breathing, the Eddie Zhang story. Um, and with us is the, the, the star of the, sh of the program, of the feature film, of the documentary film, Eddie himself, and the director, uh, Ben Wong, and also a uh, composer, uh, Scott Chung. Scott yeah. Right, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I wanted to ask you, how, how did you um, come to the idea of this film, and um, what was the purpose? Sure. So I wanted to make this film, um, you know, on, on, on one level to, you know, be able to shine a light on the issues of mass incarceration and deportation, specifically mm. in Asian American communities. Um, but I felt compelled to, you know, work on the documentary because of, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's story and his life, which included, um, you know, how I first met him was when he was still in prison and he was at San Quentin um, advocating to improve the educational program there and advocating for ethnic studies in the prison college program. And as a result of that, he was sent to solitary confinement for almost a year. And that's how I first heard about his case and was just inspired by his, um, you know, his advocacy efforts and his um, you know, ability to, to make changes. And so that's one of the reasons why uh, Eddie inspired me to work on this documentary. How did you uh, come, up, come about to make the film convincing so that people aren't turned off by... Uh, is uh, what he did. Sure, so I think one of my approaches as a filmmaker was to, you know, I wanted to learn something new about Eddie, even myself, you know, going into the film project, I had read a lot about Eddie, I, I knew Eddie personally, and, you know, I, I wanted to dig deeper into learning more about his uh, vulnerabilities, his personality, his crime, and, um, you know, so that took a, a long process and, you know, it took many interviews and, um, you know, getting Eddie to, to open up a little bit. And so that was one of my goals for that. Um, people who might have read about Eddie, that when they, when they watch the film, that they, they, they would feel like they got a deeper sense of who, who Eddie is. Learn something different. Yeah. I was impressed that you were advocating uh, Asian American studies and, uh, in prison. Um, courses like that because I'm the I'm the Asian American Studies librarian for last I've been there now 30 years and so uh, I'm you know trying to also trying to impress uh, or advocate for um, uh, stuff that we learned we did in the 60s and 70s that uh, the new generation may not have heard about uh, so I think it's an important thing uh, do you try to reach uh, a multi-ethnic group of uh, uh, inmates in the in the prisons. Yes, uh, happy new breath, everyone. My name is Eddie Zhang, and I'm very grateful to be on the show uh, to talk uh, to specifically talk a little bit about um, the idea of multiculturalism uh, right. in a sense that uh, when when I was incarcerated, I learned more about the African American history and Latino history and European history and American history more before I even engage on learning my own history, right, with the Asian American history. Um, and, but because of that, it taught me 
many things about the American uh, system yeah. that in many ways oppresses people of color. And how I find commonality and inspiration through this process as I was learning the Asian American Studies book, uh, the history, that I was able to uh, find commonalities in our struggle. Uh, so in that, I was always able to try to engage uh, people of all ethnic backgrounds while I was incarcerated. Even though we are segregated by the administration and by ourselves due to um, you know, the, the indoctrination of, of that we, are, we, we can't be like, uh, sharing things together, we can't be uh, living together, uh, we can't be like, having fun together in, in that way. Uh, so is it segregated by uh, ethnicity? It's segregated to, uh, to ethnicity by you know, white, black, Hispanic, or others. Right? So any Asian Americans, or if you're a Puerto Rican, or you, anyone that, who don't fit into the category of black, white, and Hispanic, huh. they are automatically being considered as others. Right? So that's, that's the way the administration segregates us. You know? And then in, inside prison, our own culture, prison culture was also that we self-segregate mm. ourselves just because um, we buy into that, you know, that system of segregation. Um, so therefore, for me, once I was able to learn how to read and write uh, English and think critically, and then I was able to extend myself to reach out to other uh, people and to build relationships and start uh, you know, to talk about uh, change. In the movie, the, uh, it shows you uh, graduating with an associate degree, and you were still in prison then? Yes. So was it, a, it allowed you to go out to get do classes, or was the, were the classes in prison? Uh, well, at the time, in San Quentin State Prison, uh, it has the only uh, a associate arts degree program in the state of California oh. prison system. Uh, volunteer professors from outside come in to yeah. teach courses, and uh, once we get the credits, then we have one university from uh, Oakland, California, that accredits us. Oh. So we actually had to. I actually had the graduation inside a prison. Always oh, inside. Oh, wow! So a lot of people graduated. Well, at the time, only three people graduated. Oh, it looked like a lot of people there. Yeah, a lot of people there. Some of them were graduated from G, uh, oh, GD. GD or oh, vocational yeah. trade. Oh. But three individuals at the time who graduated, uh, the uh, getting the yeah. degree. So did you, um, was there a lot of, uh, what was the attitude of the other uh, people who were incarcerated uh, towards you at, at the beginning? Did you, were you able to make friends or was it, did you find it strange that there was uh, somebody Chinese there? Well, it, at the beginning when I entered the system it was in the mid-1980s. Uh, mm. And at the time there were only 12 uh, state prisons in California. and. I was in a maximum security prison, and one of the youngest prisoners in the San Quentin State Prison. At that time, I, uh, I still didn't know how to speak English and read English very well. So uh, the, the, the number one priority for me is to survive. Yeah, and yeah. so because we have, we're in comparison to the overall population, uh, the Asian American population is very small yeah. inside. Yeah. So we stuck together, right? So we, we stuck together to help support each other in, in this survival. So therefore, uh, I, w I was able to uh, find uh, a group of people that I can you know, to yeah. rely on to yeah. 
for that. So did they speak uh, what languages or so did they at speak? At the time, uh, there was some uh, Samoans, there were oh. Filipinos, uh, not you know this well. I mean, three Chinese. Any Vietnamese? Then, uh, uh, there, there's a couple of Vietnamese here and there because at that time there was not an influx of uh, the Vietnamese population in the prison system yet. It wasn't until around the 90s then there's oh. a, a influx of uh, Vietnamese population, and then a little bit later, then we had the uh, Cambodians, the yeah. Laotian, the Hmong, the Mins, and yeah. you know, yeah. other ethnic groups. So, um, what, did you get to speak Cantonese at the beginning, or or, or Mandarin, or what? Yeah, so I, I spoke Cantonese with my parents when, yeah. I, when I get a chance to make phone calls oh, yeah. at home uh, when they come to visit me, and there a, a couple yeah. of prisoners inside that I was able to oh, speak yeah. with. Why did you use Mandarin in the film, though? Your well, parents. I mean, you spoke Cantonese, but to them, you at one point. Well, but my family spoke both Mandarin okay. and Cantonese, but because of my 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 dad is work in the military oh. uh, in China, then they they spoke uh, Mandarin, and my mom also uh, spoke Mandarin. Uh, you know, as you know, when when that's the official language. In, in yeah, are they native to Guangzhou? Um, uh, I mean, they they grew up in Guangzhou. Uh, I was. I was born. Oh, you were. In, yeah. I was born in, Raised there in, in Guangzhou, but um, my parents they they are from different areas. Oh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, I asked because uh, you know what's happening in Hong Kong with the protests. That one of the films they're showing here is uh, Ten Years. Have you heard about it? It's a kind of a future of Hong Kong mm -hmm. where uh, Cantonese is banned and uh, yeah. you have to speak Mandarin. So it's uh, it's this new uh, film. A kind of dystopian future of uh, of Hong Kong uh, by by several filmmakers, and they call it collectively ten years. Mm -hmm. So it's showing uh, Monday on, at this festival. So it's uh, it won the uh, best picture award in Hong Kong Film Festival, and China refused to air that ceremony. <laughs> they they banned it from the from from live streaming of the TV shows. So the, over there, it's a uh, uh, big emphasis on Cantonese now. Yeah, because uh, uh, in Hong Kong, Cantonese is the official language. So they, uh, so everybody in the umbrella movement uh, that was speaking was speaking Cantonese. They they don't want to speak Mandarin. So it's a it's a it's a very strong kind of effort to try to to not let the state erase this language, because people, you know, it it is a language. It's not just a dialect. It is a language. It's uh it's uh, considered a language and it's an official language in Hong Kong. So uh, yeah. So anyway, there's a big controversy about that in other places too, but uh, but the Hong Kong is the strongest uh, effort to keep Cantonese uh, alive. Yeah. But uh, in terms of, are you? Uh, do you see that in the time you were there, that the increase of people of color had increased uh, over the time period you were incarcerated? Yes. Um, the, when we talk about the people of color in the prison industrial complex. There's always uh, overrepresentation of the African Americans and the Latino population inside the prison system, mm. uh, especially so at, after the prison boom of the late 1980s and early 90s, uh, when California, from you know when I first entered the system, uh, having 12 state prisons to 34 state prisons, uh, the population definitely grew, and mm. and con uh, the continued overrepresentation of people of color uh, is is a, a reality. Uh, of life, 
But what is surprising too is the increased population of the Asian American and Pacific Islander population mm. inside the system. Uh, since the 1990s, there's uh, over 250% increase oh. of the AAPI population in the system. However, um, the culturally comp uh, when it comes to culturally competent services for those individuals, there were, uh, there's none. There's no culturally competent resources. And a, link, a big thing has to do with the fact that uh, we, we're talking about modern minority men, mm. how modern minority men disempower uh, many of the population, the AAPI population, that you know, they're saying that we don't have issues when it comes to dealing with mass incarceration and deportation. Oh, so, yeah. so in that sense, not, not talk about our, our own community because of cultural shame and that stigma or the mm. fear of losing face, um, yeah, yeah. Mean, um, yeah. that they don't talk about this type of issue. So right. if we, if our own community don't yeah. talk about it, then the mainstream community definitely don't talk about it. Right. right. And especially when there's no disaggregated data to look at the different ethnic group that was locked up in the prison system. So there's no sense of different groups in there. Is it hard to get that data or they just don't oh, yeah, uh, break it down or what? It's very... The ethnicity, it's, I mean. It's, yeah. it's very difficult to, to access those type of data right? because there's no specific uh, way for people to even produce those type of data because we are all lumped together as others. Oh, other, yeah. So that's why in uh, California right now, Assembly Rock Banta is uh, mm. championing the Bill 1726, uh, AB 1726 to hopefully to uh, advocate for this data so we can better understand okay. the need and the struggle yeah. the different immigrants. Even the census has changed. In our census, you can, you can uh, identify as uh, different ethnicity in the U.S. census. So, uh, and I know UC also used to put people in the other category, especially Vietnamese, and, you know, they would put Chinese, Japanese, Korean, and then other. And so and now everybody's changing, yes. hopefully, the data collection. So in the music, how do you make it? Um, I know it's a very kind of a somber topic. Sure. Uh, did you tr um, did you uh, do have to do something special? To uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Ben was uh, pretty specific that we um, it was important to get across um, the feeling of, of seriousness of the the issues that you know that are being dealt with in the film and the, and the, the seriousness of the things that um, that Eddie went through. You know. Um, so we spent a lot of time like trying different sounds, trying different instruments, and um, and kind of like he would send examples of different music that he liked that kind of mm. felt a certain way. And I think uh, over time we uh, we arrived at the sound that we got. And I think um, he uh, he had a lot of different changes that he that he made in the film and in uh, oh. requests for changing the music over time. And every time it, it seemed like it fit just a little bit better. So oh, that after that, it, it huh. worked together pretty nice. That's great. Yeah, the uh, in terms of uh, the parole hearings, you know, you went through maybe eleven or more uh, parole hearings, eleven hearings, uh, and the last one was successful. But the, in the film, you showed the tenth hearing, and it was the kind of it was devastating. So, w w did you were you optimistic every time, or did you did you were you thinking it's never going to happen? <laughs> well, I. I Whenever I go to my parole hearings, yeah. I go in there to uh, expect to get a parole date. Uh, however, yeah. the, each time I was disappointed of the out of the of the outcome. Um, but then, for me, it's, it's more so of uh, never give up hope. Yeah, you know, yeah. to that to be able to get free. 
And at a certain point during my incarceration, I did think about uh, the possibility of spending the rest of my life in prison and what that would be like. Um, so the sentence was seven to life? Yes. So th what does that mean? Does uh, seven to life, is, uh, it means that I can do a minimum of uh, uh, six years, then I'm eligible for parole consideration, or I can uh, spend the rest of my life inside prison. How, how often is the parole? Uh, uh, so because I don't have uh, a hearing, so I don't have a murder case for mm. kidnap to commit robbery. Uh, more, I, I get to have an opportunity to go in front of the parole hearing uh, under the old law, which is uh, every year. Oh. Right? So the first year when I went to my parole hearing in 1992, I was denied two years. And then subsequently after that, I was uh, going back every year until 1998. I would actually, I was actually granted parole unanimously by uh, the parole uh, commissioners. Well, yeah. However, when Governor Gray Davis took office uh, in uh, March of 1999, he went to visit Mexico and then he came back. Then he rejected my parole and sent it back to uh, the parole board, and they essentially uh, terminate my uh, my my, uh, my release. So then I had to stay there for about five more years before oh, wow. I even get considered. So every year I just keep going back and keep getting denied. Um, and then until 2004, I was granted parole again under Governor Schwarzenegger. Did you know that you would be put into uh, immigration detention right away? Uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know, but prior to, uh, just a, couple, uh, a few months prior to, then I knew that I, was, I have a deportation in hold. They, they, might pick him, they might pick me up. Because the, the offense you were charged with, a home invasion robbery, yes. was that uh, eligible for deportation? Or uh, so, under the how does that work? Yeah. Uh, under the 1996 uh, Illegal immigra Immigration Reform yeah. and right. Im Immigrant Responsibility Act, that you know, it definitely expanded the different laws that mm. When it comes to dealing with the mandatory detention and deportation, so I fall under that. So, oh, I see. Yeah. So I, w I was uh, because I'm not a citizen of the United States, and then I was automatically detained. You were a permanent resident, but you hadn't because you were incarcerated. You couldn't go through with it. With yes. a yeah, the, after the green card, yeah, yes. yeah, all right. Um, and your parents had a uh, brother had already gotten it. Uh, well, after they've been here for five years. Oh, they they got it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the the film, also you, uh, I was just wondering how um, how you were able to get footage of of uh, inside the uh, prison. Uh, was somebody else filmed it, or did the, uh, how how did why did the state give permission? Why did they give permission for that? Yeah, so the footage of Eddie's parole hearings, which was from 1999 through 2005 footage, or 2004 footage, was uh, from a filmmaker, Ann Rogers, who was at the time working on a documentary project about the California's no parole policy and featured Eddie as one of the subjects. And her film was never completed, but she generously donated some of her footage for uh, this project. And um, Do you know how she got permission to... The film. I don't know the details of how she was able to get the get the permission, but um, the parole hearings as well as the prison institutions are 
you know, public grounds. You know, it's, it's administered oh, and controlled lovely. by the state. And oh, so even when we filmed at San Quentin, um, the approval process was through Sacramento. And so I believe that she was able to get some support from Sacramento and uh, she, she might have had some... Um, you know, maybe other support letters or things like that to be able to get so access. You can cons- you consider media or press or press or something uh, access that it, kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. I think some of the laws in terms of uh, you know public access for media to public institutions mm. is, is is what that might have fallen under. Are you a filmmaker uh, regularly? Uh, not <laughs> not full time, but my other projects have been Aoki, which I co-directed oh, yeah. with Mike Mike Chang, and then a short film about my grandmother uh, called oh. Mamori. So this is my my third piece. Uh, and you are you from here or are you from over there? <laughs> oh, I, 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 I uh, your background. I uh, was born and grew up in Sacramento, California, and after. I graduated from UC Davis. I lived in Oakland for about 10 years and then recently moved down to uh, San Bernardino County. Oh, wow. Uh, in the Empire. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how about you? Uh, my background, background. yeah. Um, I was uh, born and raised in the US, but I'm uh, of Chinese descent. Yeah, uh-huh. Southern Chinese. My parents speak Cantonese, so I was interested also, in hearing oh, yeah. the. Uh, uh, your, your speech, you know, your, yeah. what you were talking about with the dialect and the, yeah. the different. I mean, they, people speak much better in Hong Kong. My Cantonese, I've, you know, I left. How many years ago? Fifty years ago, more than that. And I've been here, th- you know, at UCI thirty years. So, and then before that, I was working other places, not going to school and stuff. So my Chinese, my Cantonese has deteriorated, except uh, except I go back every year, or more. And I also use WhatsApp, and the Android system has a Google uh, Cantonese, so you can actually speak it, and it will write it out. It would uh, write out the text in, in traditional Cant- uh, Chinese, uh, Cantonese, actually. And so it's actually pretty... There's one for Mandarin, too. <laughs> Google Mandarin, Google Chinese, and then Google Cantonese. So it's amazing. It's actually... I mean, because I sometimes don't forget how to write it, so I just say it and <laughs> just write it out. And usually it's accurate. It's not bad, actually, yeah, if you speak clearly. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so um, are you... Um, What's the reaction? I, I know that in, in the movie you showed the, uh, you wrote a, a victim's apology, a, apology to the victim, uh, and um, statement, and, um, and um, a friend of yours went and talked to the, the, was it the mother? Yes. Yeah, and she, was she the one that was stripped naked and yes. in the film? Sure. And she, uh, she was the one who got kidnapped. Yeah. And so she was able to hear your statement and, um, and basically seemed to accept that you had changed. Well, she accepted my apology, yeah. uh, which is something that uh, it, was, it was actually was very timely. You know, we, I, even when I was inside, I wanted to reach out to apologize to the victims. Uh, but it was, it's always difficult you know, to, to find people that, that who can engage them because we always... Uh, uh, asked not to engage the victim. Right, right. So we, I was trying to engage a, a reverend, you know, in Chinatown to be able to in, in, uh, reach out to the victims, but we were discouraged from doing that, so we didn't do that. Even after that came out, I still wanted to do that. Uh, so it was great. It was great that, you know, I, I have a friend, you know, who, I, who knew yeah. the victim. Oh, yeah. And that she was able to find the uh, right timing to, to talk oh, yeah, to her. Yeah. Anyway, it was, uh, present my apology letter. You know, I apologize publicly on, on, 
newspaper in the Chinese World Journal. Oh yeah. Uh, but so you know, so we were able to do that in person, and she she was very generous, you know, in accepting my apology from me and from my parents. Did she write you at all? No. Uh, no. Because oh. I, I, she's probably she wrote before when to oppose your parole. Uh, her daughter did. Her daughter did. Her daughter. Yeah, and so. Um, I know it's always hard for victims of crime uh, to, reconcile, to, to reconcile with the perpetrator. Especially and, the Chinese or the Asian. And I think that's why the people stay in jail a long time because there's, the prosecutors always listen to the victim's side of the story and, and then it just that's, it reinforces the attempt to keep people in prison. So it's really it's a rare thing. Do you do you think of your case as as unique in terms of getting out uh, because of your community the community support or have you do you know of other cases that are similar? Uh, my case is definitely very unique, just based on um, the fact that you know, I shouldn't have done uh, that much time, you know, as a, a juvenile that who committed a serious crime. This is nine, uh, nineteen years. Yeah, 19, 19 years, years in prison and then prison. two years in the immigration yes. detention. Um, but, but because of politics, you know, and also the, the prison boom, yeah. uh, that kind of created that, um, you know, the, 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 the situation where I'm yeah. spending, having, and I'm spending more time. Because at 12 years, I was already granted parole to, you know, to, to be released. Um, but because of politics, then I was rejected again. Oh. After I was granted, um, so so that and that and plus the, my transformation and my uh, the sub community support that I received from the Asian community uh, that is, that makes it very unique. So not that many other prisoners that who had those type of support from community leaders, uh, politicians, and you know, my sentencing judge, my prosecutor. Oh. Uh, prosecutor too. Oh. Yes. How about the, uh, do most people convert to religion in prison and then they are able to get out? Is that, a, I mean, is that a, another way that people do use? Uh, people convert to religion yeah. for different reasons. Sure, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it helps. It helps, yeah. The, uh, when you were in prison, I was impressed that you were able to, I mean, you went, you sh there's a scene in the movie where you pulled out Helen Zia's book and uh, from a library, was that? In the prison library? Yes. Wow. So there are a lot of books on Asian Americans on that road. There, I mean, there yeah, were, there's there a lot of books sort of on Asian Americans because really? I ordered them. Oh, you were like the... Yeah, I work in the library, so oh, yeah. I ordered all those books. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's great. Can, so we can have oh, them. They cool. never had it before. That's good. I'm, I, that's why I do at the library. I, I select books. Yeah, so, so, <laughs> yeah, so I was able to utilize cool. that access uh, huh. with, with my friends. Oh, wow. They were able yeah. to uh, you know, order those books. Did you have... Um, was there anybody that was hired as a prison librarian from the outside, or was yes, it uh, there was prison. somebody? Yeah, yeah. And uh, was was that a good place to 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 go to the library? It was it a safe space to go where you could do research or look up things? Yeah. Uh, it was okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow, cool. Yeah, because I I know in um, OC Jail they have a book truck that they come. They put books on a book truck and they circulate among the different. There's no library partic particularly, but they they just roll a book truck around 
and then people pick up books, and that's how we heard from some people in there because they uh, there's one guy I helped that was shot in the back, and they charged him with the shooting, <laughs> a Vietnamese uh, refugee, and he uh, he had read about one of our members in a autobiography that was on that book truck, mm. and so he was able to contact us, and then we we went into prison to visit, uh, to jail to visit him. And uh, behind glass and all that, and then eventually I wrote an op-ed in the in the LA Times, and they released him a few days later. So it's very strange. Okay. Thanks so much. We have, we have a pre-screen. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. We have to go to. Oh yeah. So thank you very much. much. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah.